sometimes the expectations that are put on pastors by others and even themselves sometimes can be really high. And you might be able to relate to this in something that you do as well, because the, 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 a good pastor is going to be able to preach a great sermon every single week. A great pastor is always going to know the right thing to say, the exact right thing to say for you, for whatever you're facing, whether they're celebrating your marriage at a wedding or they're standing at a hospital bed, uh, they always know the exact right thing to say. They are always there when you need them, available or showing up uh, right on time just when you need them or always there to pick up the phone exactly when you feel like placing the call. And they're compassionate and they're wise and they're intelligent and they're learned and they just don't exist. <laughs> you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves and on others. And I remember when I started out with in ministry, uh, that, that expectation, you know, I've always got to know the right thing to say in every situation, that that weighed heavily on me. And maybe you can feel something similar to that when it comes to your parenting or being a husband or wife, or maybe in your job, sometimes you, you don't feel like you have all the necessary skills and the competency that you would like to have to do the things that you're called to do or that people are asking of you. There's just sometimes that sense of inadequacy. Well, the good news for me and the good news for you as well is that when it comes to church at least, but this has a lot of application for other parts of our lives as well, that God's design is that we are partnered, that we're not lone rangers, that we don't have to do everything ourselves. We are in part two of the team edition of How To Church, where we're talking about what it means and how it works to work together in the church. And one of the reasons that we're doing that is that at the beginning of the year, we laid out these priorities, that these objectives that we're prioritizing. We talked about returning to Sunday mornings, and thankfully we've had the opportunity to do that. We were talking about restarting our children's ministry and rallying around the mission. And in order to accomplish any of these things, we really it really has to be a team effort and a team is necessary. And the question that we're answering today is this one. How can I succeed in areas where I fall short? It doesn't take long to be a pastor to recognize that you're not always going to hit a home run every Sunday morning. You're not always gonna know the exact right thing to say, that no man is an island and no team has only just one person. You need others in order to do what needs to be done. So that answers the question, how can I succeed in areas where I fall short. So today we are talking about teams and what we're gonna realize and say is that great teams maximize their, our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. 
Great teams maximize our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. I experienced this when I got started at the first church that I worked at here in New Hampshire. The pastor there had a real strong shepherding gifts. He was great at the pastoral aspects of pastoring, much better than I. But what happened was he was so good at that, the church was growing, but it became overwhelming because the administrative side of things just became overwhelming and too much for any one person. And so that's where I came in as a staff person is to do with my gifts. I was more administrative and organizationally gifted and I applied those to that situation and together that was a good matching and a good team. What it did was it maximized our strengths as a church team and made our weaknesses irrelevant because it didn't matter that I wasn't so good at one particular area or he was better at another because together and with others as a part of our lead team and ministry team, we were able to maximize our strengths and make any one individual's weaknesses irrelevant. So that's what we're talking about today. And the challenge, of course, is going to be to team up, to figure out who you can partner with in order to maximize your strengths and make your weaknesses irrelevant. So let's look at the scripture passage that this is based on. One example is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapters uh, 12 through 14 uh, are almost exclusively about spiritual gifts and the way that God has organize the body of Christ to work together to accomplish the mission. And in this passage, we're right in the middle of that description. So I'm going to read an introductory verse, verse 7, and then the main part of the passage that we're looking at today, verses 12 to 21, and then a summary statement found in verse 27. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Then beginning at verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But all, we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And then summing it up in verse 27, he says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you 
being the wise and generous leader that you are have gifted and designed each one of us to work together with one another and that together we make a whole that maximizes our strengths and minimizes our weaknesses. So I pray, Lord, that as a result of what we talk about and what we do with the what we hear today, that we will work together as a body, that we will uh, realize that we don't have to know everything and do everything, that you have designed all of life to uh, work together, that we would work together as a team, and that we would team up, and that we would experience the benefits of that, and that we would see your purposes and your uh, intentions accomplished in our lives individually and in our lives collectively as we work together. Thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, just a reminder that what you're watching right now, we have multiple experiences. We have an opportunity where we can be together in person. Cornerstone meets on site weekly right now, 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings at United Baptist Church. But you can always find out exactly what's going on at cornerstonenh.org slash calendar. You'll see all of our experiences and our opportunities to meet up, including our on-site. We also have these messages are available on demand. You can listen, you can watch, you can subscribe to the podcast so that it gets delivered to your device every week. Uh, and you'll find that on all those ways on our website as well. And then additionally, you can watch together online with our on church online platform. And again, you'll find that at cornerstonenh.org. But wherever you're experiencing Cornerstone, we are very glad that you are here. And our intention and our hope is that as a result, we will be able to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that following Jesus makes life better makes you better at life and brings glory to God in the process. We'd love to be able to welcome you to the Cornerstone family. So if you're new to Cornerstone, we'd love you to, for you to start here. Click that start here link if you see one or just text the word new to our church number 603-225-2550 and then we can welcome you personally and stay in touch with you to again inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. So our bottom line for today when we're talking about teams is this, that great teams maximize our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. Now we see that in that scripture, but this particular wording I actually borrowed from Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker was the preeminent business coach and author of the last 100 years. And here's the way that he put it. He said, only when you operate from strengths can you achieve true excellence? You operate from your strengths. Very often when we evaluate our strengths and weaknesses, where do we put our attention? We put our attention not on maximizing our strengths, but bringing up our low points, our weaknesses. And what he's saying here is a good leader is not gonna focus so much on a person's weaknesses and trying to get them up to adequacy. They're going to try to leverage or maximize their strengths. 
Now, this is sometimes counterintuitive because where does our attention go? You know, when, when, when you bring home your report card, what do mom and dad uh, first talk about? It's not maybe the A's that you got in the subjects that you're really good at. They're focused on whatever that low grade is, whether it's the B, C, or D, or F, and how can we get pull that up? How can we take care of that? Now, kids, stay in school, do good, in, do well in school, but, uh, but the reality is that you're going to be better at some things and not so good at others. And as you go on in life, it's good to find out what those things are so that you can maximize your strengths, operate from your strengths. So again, back to Peter Drucker, only when you operate from strengths can you achieve true excellence. He goes on to say, the task of leadership, the task of leadership is to create an alignment of strengths so strong that it makes the system's weaknesses irrelevant. An alignment of strengths that make the system's weaknesses irrelevant. And notice that he says that this is the task of leadership. If you are in a position of authority over a group, then you want to maximize the strengths that you find there so that the weaknesses become irrelevant. Well, your heavenly father is the best leader out there and he's designed it and put us together in such a way that our strengths can be aligned and our weaknesses can be made irrelevant. That's what great teams do. So the first thing that I want you to notice here in this passage is that our gifts are for the benefit of others. In fact, that's what makes gifts valuable. That's what makes uh, a person gifted is that their talents, their abilities can be leveraged for the benefit of others. Even if you think about a person who is gifted in uh, music, for example, they can play the piano really well or they're just gifted at writing music or something like that. When is that gift recognized and beneficial? It's when others get to hear and enjoy that music. So our talents, the things that God has given us are for the benefit of others. That's the foundational premise of this passage found in verse seven a spiritual gift. Now remember I said that the focus of this is spiritual gifts. Well, what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that is given to every single follower of Jesus so that they can serve others well. It's something that you do or are able to do that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. It's supernatural and that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't belong to Jesus. It's, it, you're plugging into his power and his uh, abilities. He shares that with us. But the principle applies to every kind of talent or gift or thing, resource that you have. So in this context, he's saying a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Every follower of Jesus has this, so that, but the purpose is so that we can help each other. So it's good to remember that not everything that God places in your hands is to benefit only you. Sometimes God places stuff in our hands so that we can leverage them, and very often, so that we can leverage them for the benefits of others. And that's why we need 
to team up so that every person's gift can be maximized in their benefit for another's because great teams maximize our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. Now, going on in that main body of the passage, he makes this point. That is that we have diversity of gifts in the context of unity of purpose. Now, next week we'll talk more about this idea of purpose, but here you see that there is great diversity in that giftedness. He says the human body, he's using our physical bodies as an example of how we work together in teams and in particular in the body of Christ. The human body has many parts. There are a lot of different parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. They work together and they serve one another in order to make life happen. So it is with the body of Christ. We, within the, the family of God, do work the same way. And then he sums it up like this. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So there's great diversity. There's a diversity of gifts. There's a diversity of resources. There is a diversity of talents and availability. All of these things, we're not the same. And that's by design. That's the way it's supposed to work. So don't look at others and say, well, I, I can't do anything, I can't contribute anything because I don't have the same abilities, I don't have the same gifting, I don't have the, I, I, I'm not as mature, I'm not as learned, I'm not as, you know, fill in the blank. Well, that's okay because you're strong in other areas and when you team up, those weaknesses become irrelevant. So, we team up. And great teams happen because they maximize our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. And as a result, that points to the fact that we each need each other. We each need each other. He describes it, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says this, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? You know, if we all look like Mike Wazowski in uh, Monsters, Inc., you know, just a big eye in a ball, you know, that, that, that's not going to work. You know, you need those other parts. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? It just wouldn't work if we were all the same and served the same function. But our bodies, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. The diversity in the body points out the need that we have for the other parts of the body. And there are two aspects of this. I've highlighted God here because number one, it, there's a sovereignty to this that God has gifted. He is the source for all of these gifts. And so as a result, we have a responsibility to steward them. We have a responsibility to manage them well. And the only way that that can happen is if we team up with others so that our strengths mitigate others' weaknesses and others' strengths mitigate our weaknesses. But the other thing that I want you to see here is not only is God is the source, but there's, there's a, a sovereignty involved in this 
in the way that he puts us together. It says God has put each part just where he wants it. And I think that everybody who's watching, everybody who's a part who calls Cornerstone their church family, and may, maybe you're watching and you're part of another church family, that's great. But you are there on purpose. And unless you are employing and deploying your gifts in that church body, then you are going to, then the church body as a whole is going to suffer for it. Uh, you know, over the past couple of months, I kind of hurt my shoulder and, and I recognize that when one part of my body is not working well, it affects all the rest of the parts of the body. Uh, maybe you've had an experience where you've broken a toe or broken a bone or had something that kind of took a part of your body out of commission and you recognize how important it is that all your parts work together in order to function as you normally would and as you want to. Well, it's the same within the team that is the body of Christ, your local church family. And unless everyone is doing their part and contributing in some way, then the whole body is going to suffer for it. You might not feel like your role or your contribution is important, but I guarantee you that it is. And unless you are participating in the church family team, then the whole church is going to suffer as a result. And I would love to see each of you a part of a church family and then deploying whatever resources and gifts God has given you in service to one another. Now, there's the visible church family, but there's also the invisible spiritual church that is made up of every follower of Jesus. And it's important that you settle once and for all Am I a part of the family of God or not? When you become a part of the family of God, God gives you not only your natural, you not only have your natural talents and abilities, but you have those spiritual gifts that this passage is talking about that take your ability to serve to the next level. And of course, it brings you into God's family. You get the benefit of the forgiveness of sins, the power to live a new life, the purpose of following Jesus, and the, the hope certain of a life spent in eternity with him and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's why I want to encourage you, if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, if you've maybe been to church or you've been watching online or you grew up in Sunday school or you, know, you, you went through some religious hoops and, and jumped through some, over some religious things when you were a kid, but you, you don't really know where you stand, settle that once and for all. Say yes to Jesus so that you become a part of the body of Christ and get the spiritual gifts that he wants to give you and can plug you into a church family. When you say yes to Jesus, you're receiving the forgiveness of sins. You're saying yes to him as savior. What you did on the cross, Jesus, I want that to count for me so that my slate can be wiped clean and I can have a fresh start. You're also saying, I want you to be the Lord of my life, Jesus. I want you to be the one that is the boss that gets to call the shots in my life. 
and uh, you know, you've been leading your life, now you want to turn the leadership of your life over to Jesus, knowing that he is uh, uh, going to lead you in a way that is gonna be for your benefit and for his glory. So if you're doing that, I hope that you will let us know. Text the word yes to our church number, 603-225-2550, so that we can celebrate this because it's the best decision you'll ever make and resource you, encourage you in your walk with Christ. Today, we've been talking about teams and the way that the body of Christ, the church family, is a team. And what we're saying is that great teams maximize our strengths and make our weaknesses irrelevant. So we want to team up. We want, uh, this is the part where we turn what we've talked about into practical steps that you can take. So what does that look like? Well, uh, here's one way that was suggested by uh, this book, a great book. It's called Doing Church as a Team by Wayne Cordero. And in that, he gives us a process for how to t turn this idea of being a team into a practical reality. And so I'm gonna walk you through this and you can do this with your team at church. You can do this with a team uh, in your workplace. You can do this as a family or as a couple, but uh, it's a way of identifying those strengths that you can maximize so that your weaknesses become irrelevant. So if you have the growth guide, you'll notice that under the challenge, there's a big open blank space, and I'm gonna tell you what to do with that. First, you're gonna draw a box, just a plain old box. And this box represents everything that is supposed to happen within your area of ministry or your team or whatever the case may be. We've been talking about children's ministry, so you could say, okay, this is everything that has to happen within a children's ministry in order for that to go. Now, the next thing that you're gonna do is split that box into four different quadrants, just four boxes within that box. And then you're going to identify, if I had to take everything that happens within this area of responsibility, within this team, within this group, and split it out into four different areas, what would those be? Uh, and there's no right or wrong answer to this. It's just a way of organizing your thoughts about what needs to happen. So again, using an illustration of children's ministry, you could say, well, we could do this by age group. You know, this would be pre-K and then uh, early childhood and maybe um, later elementary and other student ministry, or maybe it could be by function. You know, the, there's the administrative side, there's scheduling people to serve, there are people who are serving as teachers and people who are serving as assistants. The, uh, the, again, there's not a right or wrong way of doing it, it's just a way of organizing your thoughts. So you split that up into those four different segments. And then the idea is to find someone who can take responsibility for each of those different quadrants. That's how you build your team. Or you take a team that's already existing and give them greater clarity and focus about what they are doing. So this is how you start a ministry. 
God calls you to do it. He picks you for something. The, the next step is to partner with others. And this is how you figure out who those people are that you need to partner with. And then the next step to build upon this is you take one of those quadrants and you say, okay, now this quadrant, let's say this is the uh, group of teachers in your children's ministry. The person that you find that's teaching and is responsible for that, they're going to expand that. They're going to draw a different square and say, okay, this is everything that needs to happen in order for our kids to get taught. And then break that out into the four quadrants. Maybe it's curriculum and scheduling and training and then the actual teaching or maybe it's, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, whatever the case may be. You, uh, that's how you build that team. Every person who's on the team becomes a team builder as well. And they invite others in, in order to make a team and this great team that's going to maximize your strengths and make your weaknesses irrelevant. Uh, so let me give you a little acronym to remember this. First thing you're gonna do is, and it's a team, identify the task, that's your T, What's, what's the task? What's the big square? And then evaluate your gifts. What is the thing that you bring to the table? What is the thing that you can do to the, that will make the biggest impact? Then to make or accept an invitation. Most people who serve on a team are doing so not because they volunteered, but because somebody recognized their abil abilities and gifts and invited them to be a part of that team. So make or accept an invitation. And then what you will experience is you maximize your strengths and make your weaknesses irrelevant. So that's what we've been talking about today. And as usual, we throw up on the screen and you'll find in your growth guide, a discussion guide, just a ability to talk, uh, some questions to help you talk over what we've talked about today. And I especially wanna point out this third question. Make sure that you get to that and make sure that you have this conversation with some others. What strengths do you see in yourself or others in your group that could be used in service to others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you, being the perfect Heavenly Father and a great leader, have arranged the parts of your church family, the body of Christ, in such a way that we can benefit each other with the strengths, abilities, talents, gifts, resources that we have. I thank you, Lord, for each person who is watching because I believe that you sovereignly organize and place together the different parts of the body, even within a local church congregation. I pray that you would help us all to be able to evaluate and identify what our place in the team is, and then to have the boldness and faith to step out and make or accept an invitation to serve so that the whole body, as each part does its own special work, will be healthy and growing and full of love. I thank you that for this. I pray, Lord, that we would see that happen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.